Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. And uh, if we do have any guests, we're glad to have you in service with us tonight. Praise God. I realize I already acknowledged them, but again, it's good to have the Wizard Hunt in service with us tonight. And then also, many of you remember Brother Misa was here with us a couple of years ago. Uh, well, first off, on a college internship, then he spent a couple of months with us at Antioch, and so he's out visiting in Maryland, and it's great to see him tonight. Glad he was able to be in service with us. Praise God. Amen. If you're joining us online, we welcome you tonight as well, wherever you may be. I don't, I, I'm not sure if I'm glad there's a smaller crowd or not. The more people there are, the less you think I'm shooting at you. The less people there are, the more people there are to get mad at me. This is part four tonight, I think, if I'm not mistaken, under the title of A Call to Greatness. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to sneak in the back door. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm not looking forward to teaching tonight. I felt this lesson was coming and I've hoped to ignore it, but here we are. And I say that because I, I deeply more than I could ever put into words. I deeply appreciate everybody that's a part of this church, but in this context, those that are involved in ministry, in all levels of ministry. This church is blessed with some absolutely wonderful, phenomenal people. And I, I sit a lot of times in, in awe a lot of times, to be honest, I feel guilty with regards to the level of dedication and commitment that people have to the kingdom of God. And I, I just, I want you to, I want you to hear that at least before I teach tonight. <laughs> I want you to know that up front, and I want you to, and I, when I get done, I hope you still believe that. Because uh, I, I, I'm not here tonight with a rebuke. I am here with a challenge and uh, just remember that please <laughs> so hopefully I've got you well frightened Luke chapter 17 we've used these verses several times now the Lord said, again, I will start with six, but I remind you the verses before this, they have just talked about increasing their faith. And he said, faith the size of a mustard seed. You can say to the sycamine tree, oh, sorry, they've asked the question. Now he says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it shall, and it should obey you. And then... As we've talked about the last couple of Thursday nights, he goes from that straight into this. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? 
and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me to drink. Till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. In 2017, we just simply say it this way, I don't think so. So likewise, ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. After you've done everything that was commanded, your response is, we're unprofitable servants. We've done that which was our duty to do. Father, thank you again for the privilege of being in your presence, the opportunity of joining together with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. God, I know we're a bit scattered tonight and there's a bit of a feeling of being disjointed, but you brought us here and I believe you have a purpose for us tonight. I'm asking you, God, to speak to us. I pray that we would have ears to hear what your word would say, what your spirit would say, that our hearts would be good ground, Lord, for the seed of your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I will, uh, at this point, I plan to do a decent amount of reading tonight so that somebody else can teach my lesson for me. So hopefully instead of you being mad at me, if you get mad, you'll be mad at the commentaries. I'm just the reader. Let me read the Amplified, verse number 7. Will any man of you who has a servant plowing or tending sheep say to him, when he has come in from the field, Come at once and take your place at the table. Will he not instead tell him, Get my supper ready, and gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? Then afterward you yourself shall eat and drink. Is he grateful? And does he praise the servant because he did what he was ordered to do? Even so, on your part, when you have done everything that was assigned and commanded you, say, We are unworthy servants, possessing no merit, for we have not gone beyond our obligation. We have merely done what was our duty to do. Then the Message Bible, verse 7, Suppose one of you has a servant who comes in from plowing the field or tending the sheep. Would you... Take his coat, set the table, and say, sit down and eat? Wouldn't you be more likely to say, prepare dinner, change your clothes, and wait table for me until I've finished my coffee, then go to the kitchen and have your supper? Does the servant get special thanks for doing what's expected of him? It's the same with you. When you've done everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say, the work is done, what we were told to do, we did. When you've done everything you're supposed to do, just be matter of fact, we've done what we were told 
to do. I've taught some, I've ministered some the last several months on some Thursday nights about to me what is the pro- what is a problem that has crept into Christianity and that is a consumer mentality. And that is I'm here for you to serve me. I'm here for you to do for me and and that's why and and uh many of you are very blessed to be very oblivious to this. But uh, in the South, it's not uncommon in a town of just 15,000, 20,000 people to have multiple apostolic churches, even multiple United Pentecostal churches. I mean, the closest uh, UPC church to us, not counting any of our other ministries, the closest one is, is probably 45 minutes to an hour, if I'm not mistaken. In the South, you can, you can, some places, I think, just about look across the street and find another one. And so, what you and I don't have, most of you don't have the experience with that some of them do is, well, you know what, if I don't like the preacher at this one, or if I don't like the music here, I'll just go across town to another one. Because it's about me. It's about what I like or don't like. We, we have, we, we have, fortunately we haven't had a problem with it, but we have that danger here with our multiple ministries. Well, you know what? I don't like where I go on Sunday morning because I don't like the way this guy does or I don't like what we have. So I'm, I'm just, no, I don't, don't work that way. This isn't McDonald's that if you don't like it, go to Burger King and have it your way. It doesn't work that way. And we have this mentality that it's, it's serve me. And as I've been teaching for the last several weeks, we are the servants. I, I, it's been sitting here for a while and I'm not sure I used it more than a night or two, but we'll pull it back out. I, I wonder how much less of an attitude struggle we would have if we always kind of looked and kept this in mind. When I start to feel like I've done so much and I start to feel like I'm underappreciated or I start, and I, I'm not pleased. I'm going to say this. I, 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 I'm not here tonight picking on any person. I'm not shooting at anybody tonight. I've already told you and I mean it. I've felt for weeks once I started in this, in this vein and then this along these lines, I came across these verses. I touched on them a couple of weeks ago very briefly. And hope to ignore them and not come back to them, but I can't get away from them. So I'm just saying I'm not here tonight trying to shoot at anybody, okay? I hope you believe that. I hope you trust that. But I'll leave that between you and Jesus. But I'm not sure how I begrudge what I do if I look at this. And I mean obviously this symbolically. How do I begrudge the lack of appreciation I feel at times? When I think about what took place on the cross. I mean, you're talking about feeling underappreciated. <laughs> Go through everything he went through for what he created. And the great majority of them could care less about it. So, so, so do me a favor tonight. If, if, you, if I do say something that makes you a little mad, just... 
Just look back at this for a second. Remember everything he did freely. All that he gave, demanding, while we were yet sinners. (laughs) While we were yet sinners, without any guarantee of how we would respond, he died for us. Let's begin some of the reading. (laughs) Wearsby's expository outline says this, Jesus knew how to balance one truth with another so that his disciples would not go to extremes. The miraculous faith of verse 6 must be balanced with faithful day-by-day ordinary service that may not be exciting. This really is a, a whole different tangent, but let me just pause for a moment on it. The excitement of the miraculous has to be balanced by the faithfulness of day by day. He's not in here. I'll pick on him anyways. If he wasn't here, I'd pick on him too. It's the rare opportunity I'll use some young person besides one of my own. <laughs> Brother, Brother Jalen Mock was a part of several weeks of, of what was kind of a, a, a great high kind of kicking off at Youth Congress with with the chosen worship group, getting a chance to sing on that Thursday morning, and then all of the excitement, and nowadays with social media, stuff goes around, and uh, and so that, I mean, that was all exciting, and, and I think it was like the next week, if I'm not mistaken, it was, wasn't much more than a week, if it wasn't a week, he left to go on an AYC trip to Prague, and and a lot of great things, a lot of excitement, a lot of great ministry experiences. And so, I mean, it was just, just kind of this continuation. And then, and then I think he's been back a couple of weeks now, but he gets back and it's back to the grind. It's back to what feels like trivial stuff. It's, it's petty stuff. That's why this is an important point, because a lot of us like the excitement of the miraculous, but we struggle with the faithfulness of day to day. We want to have a great spiritual experience on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday is mine. There's got to be a balance. Here is a servant who plows, takes care of cattle, and even cooks. Kind of jack of all trades, don't you think? He does each job faithfully so that he might please his master. But when we do our jobs, we are still only unprofitable servants. The word translated unprofitable means without need. That is, nobody owes him anything. Even the rewards we get from the Lord are pure Grace. He does not owe them to us because we have only done our duty. You see, the problem is the longer you're involved in ministry, the more tempted you become that you're owed something. I'm just going to tell you tonight, if you haven't already experienced this, You might as well take whatever your expectations are for the future and flush them down the toilet. 
Because I've talked to plenty of people and I say the same thing about myself. This is not where I expect it to be. I don't mean that physically speaking. I don't mean that in the sense of my role here at Antioch, but I, I mean where I am. I, I, not, in the, in the, in the fruitfulness of it, in the successes of it, if you will, in the achievements. This isn't what I expected. And after years of ministry and dedication and commitment, when you wake up sometimes and realize this is not what I was expecting. If you're not careful, you can end up like a John the Baptist sitting in prison, having gone from one moment believing with absolute confidence this is the Messiah, to now wondering. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know why I'm expecting anything less than complete silence with all my preparatory remarks, but nevertheless. When I've done everything that's a part of my calling and my ministry, he owes me nothing. Because he's already given me everything. Bible exposition says, and I realize this is probably too small for half of you to read, I apologize, but rather than a hundred slides, I was trying to keep it a little more condensed. The introductory word but indicates that Jesus was now going to balance one lesson with another. There was a danger that the twelve might get so carried away with transplanting trees. I love the way it says that. They might get so carried away with transplanting trees that they would ignore the everyday responsibilities of life. Faith that does not result in faithfulness will not accomplish God's work. Man, there's some good stuff in here and I can say it because I didn't write it. I won't read that one again. Faith that does not result in faithfulness will not accomplish God's work. It is good to have faith to do the difficult and the impossible, but it is essential that we have faith to do even the routine tasks our Master has committed to us. Privileges must always be balanced with responsibilities. The servant in the story was evidently a jack of all trades, for he was responsible for farming, shepherding, and cooking. It was not unusual for people with only modest means to hire at least one servant, but Jesus described a situation which in that day was unthinkable. A master ministering to his servant? In fact, he introduced the story with a phrase that means, can any of you imagine? Their answer had to be, No, we cannot imagine such a thing. Jesus had already discussed his relationship to his servants and had promised to serve them if they were faithful. He himself was among them as a servant, even though he was master of all. This story emphasizes faithfulness to duty, no matter what the demands might be. And the argument is from the lesser to the greater. 
If a common servant is faithful to obey the orders of his master who does not reward or thank him, how much more ought Christ's disciples obey their loving master who promised to reward them graciously? Problem is, the greatest reward you and I are getting for this is not in this life. When I become frustrated and resentful about what I'm not getting here and now from God, I'm proving where my treasure is. A faithful servant should not expect any special reward since he did only what he was told to do. I told you, said it a couple weeks ago, there's no party, there's no celebration on Sunday nights when my boys take the trash out. There's no celebration, there, there should be, but for a different reason, when some of them clean their rooms. Celebration that finally it got done, but the celebration is no rewarding of them. It's just celebration. You've done what you were supposed to do. A faithful servant should not expect any special reward since he did only what he was told to do. The word translated unprofitable means without need. That is, nobody owes us anything. The servant was indeed profitable. After all, he cared for his master's fields, flocks, and food. The statement means my master does not owe me anything extra. The fact that Jesus will reward his servants is wholly a matter of God's grace. We do not deserve anything because we have obeyed him and served him. God, I I came to church tonight. You you, You ought to bless me. I, 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 I went to care group tonight, God. You ought to bless me. I taught a Bible study, God. You ought to bless me. He's already blessed you. I mean, the, the problem is, what greater blessing can He give you than the first thing He gave you? Himself. His Spirit. As His servants, we must beware lest we have the wrong attitude toward our duties. There are two extremes to avoid. Merely doing our duty in a slavish way because we have to, or doing our duty because we hope to gain a reward. Christian industrialist R.G. Latorno used to say, if you give because it pays, it won't pay. I, I had somebody a while ago tell me how, how much they've invested in the church in their time of being here. And I didn't have, the, I didn't have the, the guts to say it. I probably should have. But what I thought was, you haven't invested in the church. Oh, boy, I, I didn't mean to go. I mean, it's bad enough, all this other stuff. Now I'm going to touch on money. That's really bad. Your, your tithe isn't an investment in the church. This isn't a business. This isn't a corp, yeah, legally it is, but that not, that's not what this is. It's a corporation legally because we gotta dot I's and cross T's, but you, 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 I invested X amount of money. There's your problem. 
I said, first of all, I'm not. Brother, it's a matter of semantics. No, it's not. Because those that realize they're investing in the kingdom and they're not investing in some man-made thing are the ones that don't get bitter when things don't go the way they want them to go. If you give because it pays, it won't pay. Brother, right, I thought you reap what you sow, and if you sow, you're going to reap. Yeah, you do, and I, I know. I've, I heard somebody say it recently, and they're smarter than I am, so maybe they're right and I'm wrong. I, I know if you plant a seed, if you plant a, if you plant a, a, a tomato seed, you're going to get tomatoes. I, I, I doubt, Brother and Sister Evans, you've ever planted cucumber seeds and got something besides cucumbers. You got what you plant. And I understand in nature it works that way, but I am of the very strong opinion that you don't, you don't get all the time exactly what you sowed. Meaning, I'm of the opinion you don't always get back equal finances for what you gave, but I've reaped in a lot of other ways. Cause I gotta tell you what, I'll take a healthy wife and four healthy kids over hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank any day. Probably not anybody here tonight, but there are plenty of folks that have ended up bitter because they gave and God didn't give it all back in tangible ways. Maybe that's because they were paying because it would pay and it didn't pay. Isn't this so lovely? You're halfway through your work week. Half of you probably had a really stressful week and this is what you get to come listen to. This <laughs> Just consider me a doctor. They don't usually give you what you like, but it'll help you if you'll follow it. I'll try to find a little bit of sugar to help the medicine go down. This principle also applies to service. service. Both extremes are seen in the attitudes of the elder brother who was miserably obedient. Oh, man, there's some good stuff in here. He was miserably obedient, always hoping that his father would let him have a party with his friends. And his father says, you never asked. Let me tell you something. There's always going to be a little brother. Whatever role you're in, there's going to be a little brother. There's going to be the person that doesn't do it as good as you do it. They're not as dedicated, as committed as you are. They're not as faithful as you are. And they're going to have all the fun. And the question is, what is your response going to be? I've worked for you all these years. And you've given me nothing. And he comes, he goes and blows what you give him, comes back, and you're throwing a party. The father says, it was all yours. All belonged to you anyway. What then is the proper attitude for Christian service? Doing the will of God from the heart. If you love me, keep my commandments, John fourteen fifteen. To the person who is born again, his commandments are not grievous, 1 John 5, 3. Serving him is a delight, not just a duty. And we obey Him because we love Him. I delight to do Thy will, 
O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Ephesians 6 and 6, just read part of it, but a little more of it. Verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. I'm going to read the message Bible here in a minute. It'll help, it'll help you understand that better if you don't get it. I didn't get it quite well the first time. What he's saying is, what I'm telling you to do is not just about spiritual stuff. He's saying your, your earthly natural situations. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Servants respectfully, message Bible, obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do. I, I don't know, I, I think it's the Washington Post or something, and I'm not sure why we're getting it. I have no idea. All, I'm assuming nobody's given a credit card of mine to somebody, and I'm not unknowingly getting charged. But but for weeks now, uh, a period, maybe it's a once a week thing, I'm not sure, it's not an everyday thing, but... They, they come by and they toss that paper and we have a, we have one of those flag lots and so we have kind of a long driveway to get up to our house and my kids park their cars on the street and that without fail that paper gets thrown in the middle of the driveway. Right where they walk. And I've asked the question multiple times now. Do you not see? You walk right by it. Do I honestly need to tell you? Pick up the paper. You you, you walk right by it. As you're rushing to go read your Bible, you walk right by the paper. Don't do what you do because you have to to get by. Do it heartily. Go beyond. You want to, you want to know one of the simplest signs of where you are in your maturity level, in your relationship with God? It's when you go from asking the question, do I, what do I have to do, to asking the question, what can I do? As long as all you're wanting to know is what do I have to do, you're demonstrating spiritual immaturity. There is no relationship, there's no marriage that becomes all that it can be when all the husband and wife do is what they have to do. If it's really going to be what it can be and should be, it's got to reach the point where you start wanting to know, what can I do? We, we got this rotation. You know, the, the girls alternate, basically, alternate doing the dishes, and the boys alternate emptying the dishwasher and putting the dishes away. If they kept track of a bunch of other stuff in life, the way they keep track of who did the dishwasher last, 
it would be phenomenal. Y'all may not leave here tonight feeling better, but I'm going to get a little therapy while I'm here. So. Or, or one of them's not there and, and it needs to be done. And so they, you know, well, I, 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 I twice, there's a little card in the, on the, in the, inside one of the pantry doors that, that they turn over for whose it is. And so if, you know, if they had to do it twice, they'll get a pen and they'll put two marks on there. You got twice. And every now and then I like to remind, it doesn't seem to do much good, but I'm not on the dishes rotation and I'm not on the dishwasher rotation. And probably once to twice a week at least, I do those things. So when I hear them griping about the fact they just did it the night before, I'm like, you know what? I don't say this because it's really what I want to say. And I know we got a few kids in here and I'm really sorry, but this is just really what I feel. Shut up. Problem is we're in a world that all they want to do is just... Enough. Thank God somebody wasn't interested in just enough. Because what he did on Calvary didn't, wasn't just enough that I could be saved. The benefits and the results of what took place on Calvary go far above just enough. Don't just do what you have to to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. And, and, and. You can tell, boy, when they're doing those dishes and they're mad. <laughs> work with a smile on your face. Always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Oh, my. No matter who's giving the orders. I tell you, that'd help a lot of kids out for sure. You young people or kids in here, listen, this is good teaching for you. You're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master regardless of whether you are slave or free. Scripture talks about the idea of what you do is done for show. When what you've done is seen, you've gotten your reward. But when you do something in secret, your Father will reward you openly. Let me continue on. Reading. Actually, uh, no, that's not it. I want to. The pulpit commentary says this He impresses on them the cultivation of a sense of their own unprofitableness to God. He likens them to a farm servant who, when he has finished in the field, comes home and is then put to wait a table at his Lord. Put to wait at table on his Lord. His work is never done. He turns from one occupation to another and only laments at the close that he could not do more and better. Now this, now this sense of unprofitableness really arises out of the magnificence of the Christian ideal, the Christian system, 
sets before us such incomparable excellency that we are always coming short of it. All Christian progress is just conditioned upon this sense of unprofitableness. Our faith will grow exceedingly when the sense of unprofitableness has been secured and is maintained. Of course, this teaching of our Lord is quite consistent with the reward promised in His grace of well done, good and faithful servant. The servant looks at his labors in the light of strict justice and acknowledges his shortcoming. The master looks at them in the light of grace and love and rewards them with overflowing bounty. Even when receiving the reward at last, it will be with surprise and with the consciousness that we have been but unprofitable servants. We're going to get to heaven and the Bible says there's going to be a point that we all receive a crown. We're going to be given a crown. But our reaction to receiving that crown is not going to be that we put it on our heads and strut around because of our accomplishments and what we have done. But the Bible says we're going to take them and we're going to cast them back at His feet in acknowledgement that I'm not worthy of any recognition or glory. It all belongs to you. I... I, I I, I've talked about this the last couple of Thursday nights, a time or two, and I experienced it last Friday night when I went to preach in Baltimore. I got out of my car, and before I got into the building, they introduced me, and I think I could have handled this a lot better if it was a young guy, teenager. My guess is the guy was probably my age. He was introduced to me as... I don't think the term armor bearer was used, but that's the common term for it before I even got in the door. And he literally almost never left my side and continually was asking me what he could do, what he could get. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I really, I wanted to say to him, go away. I don't mean that against him. It's very humbling. Leave me alone. I know how to do my own stuff. I'll take care of myself. You could tell it was an attitude and spirit that he had that says, I'm here to serve. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to be abased, if you will. Understanding that whatever, I'll share these Verses in the end, or this principle in the end, even after all of this hard-to-swallow stuff, there is a little bit of sugar at the end. Everything I do for Him, He recognizes. Everything. Everything I do for Him. There is a song based on Scripture. I'll read what the Scripture, the scripture it's based on at the end, but... Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir is the one I've heard sing it. I'm sure others sing it, but it says, It's not in vain. What you do for Jesus Christ is not in vain. You will be, you will be rewarded. What I've got to work on is am I willing to accept that my ultimate reward may never come down here? 
You see, we, we, we bring this, I think we bring this day-to-day work mentality to church. You, you get paid, if you, most of you, in a, in a, if you're not self-employed, most of you are in a situation where you get a paycheck and you, you get that either weekly or bi-weekly or perhaps monthly. But you know when it's coming. You expect to get it. Of course, if for some reason your boss is late getting it to you, we know you just happily, carelessly head home. No problem. No, you're texting, you're calling, you're knocking. Um, sorry, it's payday. I, I haven't gotten my check. I, I did my job. I expect my pay. Some of us are like that with Jesus. Uh, I did my job. Where's my pay? Hallelujah. Let me see if it's one of these. I don't. Yes, this one. I. Again, you're welcome to get the notes. And as always, I've tried to include extra for your benefit. I'm sure you want this for your Saturday morning coffee and reading. The biblical illustrator says this. Oh, boy, this is one I really don't want to get on. I'm reading. I'm reading. The continuous obligations of the Christian life. The Christian's day is not one merely of 12 hours, but throughout the 24-hour, he must be ready for any emergency and must meet that at the moment, must meet that at the moment when he, when it arises. Always he is under obligation to his Lord and without haste, but also without rest. He must hold himself absolutely at the disposal of his master, all his time is his Lord's. He can never have a day off. He is to be always waiting and watching until death. You mean I'm never supposed to rest, Brother Wright? That's not the context of what I'm teaching here today. I never get a day off. That's that's really not even what it's talking about. It's talking about in the sense that I'm never off duty if he calls. It's not that I'm working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for him, but it's the idea. You go, you, some of you get to go home from your job and you leave work there. And if they, if they got a problem there, that's their problem. You're off the clock. You're done. That's not the attitude that you and I are supposed to have as his servants. There was something I thought was in here. It must be someplace else. Maybe I'll get to it. Hmm. Always, always is under obligation. Always. It says, don't, that servant doesn't come in. I've done my day's work. I'm off the clock. I'm on a, it's in here somewhere, I was hoping to just read it so you could be mad at the commentary if you want to get mad and not me, but I I am so deeply disturbed by the attitude that has developed in 2017 towards church and coming to church and all the things that we do to try to make it more convenient for people. Because we know that everybody is so busy. 
And because everybody is so busy with all the natural carnal things they've chosen to fill up their life with, we are supposed to figure out a way to placate everybody when it comes to church. Oh, hallelujah. So we got people that want pats on the back because I can't, you want a pat on the back because you did what you were supposed to do. I told you all in the beginning how much I love you and appreciate you. We, we, we somehow want God to suffer for how we filled up our lives. And, and we want to be the servant that does what he's supposed to do, but then we want him to just make all over us how wonderful we are because we've done what we've been given the responsibility to do. I, I, I worked all day. I got up early, brother, right? I worked all day. You better be happy I made it here. What? I'm tired. You ought to be glad I just got here. Really? Seriously? I mean, I understand we're now living in a world that you play on the team, you get a trophy. That's the biggest bunch of hogwash I know. I may offend somebody with this tonight. I'm sorry. You're wrong. I'm right. That's a bunch of baloney. We don't give out any special recognition because we want, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So everybody gets a participant. And you know what? You know what? Them kids know. They know. They walk away. Now, this is, this is a, this is a joke. When you've done what you were supposed to, I mean, think about it. He just did what he was supposed to do. This, this was just what he was supposed to do. Not expecting, oh, hallelujah. Mm. Not expecting all kinds of accolades. The bottom line is, you know why he ended up here? Think about this for a moment. You know why he ended up on the cross? For just doing what he was supposed to do. He got crucified for trying to save people. And I'm going to get offended because I tried to help somebody and I, just, I, I didn't get a reward or a thanks. When, when he suffered the way, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean and harsh here tonight. This is Thursday night. And I know on one angel, well, you're talking to us on Thursday night, yes, but even those of us that, that are very faithful can develop attitudes and spirits that are going to end up costing us our souls. Because in fact, it's you and I that are more in danger of what I'm teaching tonight, because the person that shows up for a couple of hours on Sunday mornings, it's not really that big of a deal to give God a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. I mean, yeah, you could be home sleeping, although... If, most of us older folks, you got to like force yourself to sleep in now. So, I mean, what good is that? I mean, you know. 
I guess it's more time to drink your coffee and stay in your pajamas than get dressed and have to come out and fight the elements when it's bad. I get all that, but I mean, come on, let's be honest. They're, they're, it's, it's on the decline, but it's a huge amount of people every Sunday that it's really not a big deal for them to give God an hour, even an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. That's okay. Sunday morning and Sunday night, that's a little bit more, but still, I mean, we call it the Lord's Day. That's a whole other thing. We call it the Lord's Day, and we kind of take more and more of His time on His day. But I mean, come on, here we are, you and I. Again, I respect it. I honor it. I mean that. I've said it. I'm not, this, this is not, I'm not, I'm not here tonight. I'm, I'm apologizing, and I know I'm apologizing, and I'm gonna keep apologizing, so don't come tell me to stop. I won't apologize Sunday. I'm apologizing tonight. <laughs> this is a little bit more difficult. Here we are. Again, I know it. it. Without no doubt in my mind, it happens every single week. There are people sitting in this room right now that at best all you had was a snack on your way to church because you had no time to stop and get a meal. You didn't have time to sit down. You didn't even have time to sit down at McDonald's for 20 minutes. You pick something up. Some of you didn't pick anything up. Some of you are sitting here right now hungry because you have not had dinner. Many of you got here late tonight because you could not get here any earlier. You got straight off of work and came straight to church. This isn't Sunday. I don't understand why committed, dedicated Christians are late to church on Sunday. Brother Wright, we're here. Why are you talking? Because there's a bunch of you. You come in church late on Sunday too. Sunday morning, I don't know if we had 50 people here, Brother Spriggs, at 10 o'clock. By the time they got the count at the end of the service Sunday morning, it was over 200 people here in the sanctuary. You know what's really sad? Is that guests are more punctual to church than saints. Because guests understand when something starts, that's when you show up. Church people understand, well, if it starts at 10, that means I get there about 10, 15, 10, 20. I told you from the beginning it wasn't going to be good, so I might as well just go all the way with it. <laughs> but again, here we are, Thursday night. Brother, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's been a stressful week. You don't understand what I've dealt with. You ought to be happy I'm here. You're not here for me. You ought to be thankful like you're not here for me. You're here for Him. And the least I can do for Him is what I do. And the bottom line, when I do everything I can and I go above and beyond, when I think about this, isn't it amazing how cheap people want to get by on salvation nowadays and, and compared to the price that He paid? I want to just say a few words. I just want to utter a few words, and I want that to secure my salvation. I'll give him a little bit of time here and there. When he gave everything, oops. Dr. David Livingston, some of you know. I've heard of him, know who he is. Those of you that haven't, just a couple of quick things. He was a Scottish-born, he was Scottish-born. He was a missionary explorer. 1841, he was 
posted to the edge of the Kalahari Desert in South in southern Africa. In 1845, he married Mary Moffat, daughter of a fellow missionary. Livingston became convinced of his mission to reach new people in the interior of Africa and introduce them to Christianity as well as freeing them from slavery. He left for Africa in again in 1858 and for the next five years carried out official explorations of eastern and central Africa for the British governments. His wife died of malaria in 1862, a bitter blow, and in 1864 he was ordered home by a government unimpressed with the results of his travels. After raising funds to support himself, Livingston published, or he published a book about the horrors of the slave trade, securing private support for another expedition to Central Africa, searching for the Nile source and reporting further on slavery. The expedition lasted from 1866 until Livingston's death in 1873, so he had given his life ultimately for missionary service. Listen to what he says. The spirit of true servant of God. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and helpful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but let this be only for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. He says, I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. I've had the privilege and the opportunity to interact with other missionaries one-on-one that from my perspective, I have considered what they do a sacrifice. They don't consider it a sacrifice at all. I look at it, you've spent a lifetime away from family. I was with Brother Shalm a couple of years ago when I was last in Singapore. He was at the conference that I was a part of there and sitting, and he had a grandbaby that had just been born. This was December, grandbaby that had just been born. And at that point, it was not going to be until the following August that he was going to see the new grandbaby. My parents were at the hospital or birthing center for the birth of all four of my children. My mother was in the room. (laughs) She didn't have to wait eight or nine months. My fingers are crossed, and when the day comes, I get to have grandkids. I get to be there when they're born, not in the room, but at the hospital. 
I've done my time for that part. It feels a great sacrifice, but those that have given their life to that, that have been able to maintain the right attitude and right spirit, say the same thing that Dr. Livingston said, not a sacrifice. To be able to to be involved and give back to the one that gave his all for me. I listened to my parents, I listened to my dad, gave up what my, my dad, I, we all know my dad is a greatly anointed man of God, and I know, and he does such a wonderful and a very, I know that he's absolutely genuine and, severe, and sincere in giving God credit for everything that takes place in his life. And I realize it's, I'm his son, and maybe I'm a little prejudiced, but that's all right. He is, at, from a natural standpoint, he's a brilliant man. He's an extremely intelligent man. You can sit down with him. He can tell you the roster of Navy football, Maryland football, the Ravens. He can tell you the Orioles roster. He can tell you not only the current roster, he can tell you guys that for the Orioles that are in the system that may come up in the future, he can, he can tell you what Navy's looking at, who Maryland's looking at. He knows all of it. That is not anointing. And I am convinced, and I think there's probably others in this room that would agree with me, he could have had a brilliant career in the Navy. And to come to this town and give that up to literally dig ditches for the first couple of years and all of the other things they went through and yet know that not one time have they ever looked back and resented that and felt like it was a sacrifice. i got to be honest with you, there's a few times some of the petty things that I've had, prices I've had to pay have gotten into my spirit a little bit, and I had to quickly work on that. And finally, when I worked through it, I'm like, are you, kid- are you kidding me? You really? You really were feeling that way about that? When you've got the privilege of being a part of the greatest thing there is to be a part of? I don't think I'm going to read that either. Again, some more really... Painful stuff if you want it. All of that to then close by saying, (laughs) there really is a promise. That if I can have the heart of a servant, and if I can be the kind of servant that when I've done everything I do and I've given all that I could give, if my attitude can simply be, all I did was what I was supposed to do, I don't need anything in return there really comes an eternal reward. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Message Bible says, with all this going for us, My dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. Nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. Whatever whatever level, whatever role of ministry involvement you have, 
in the church, in the kingdom of God. No, you may not stand behind a pulpit and preach in any of our ministries. You may not lead a, you may not lead worship. You may not be a praise singer. You may not sit on the platform or be a part of senior leadership. But whatever you do that's a part of your way of serving, remember that God notices it and none of it is a waste of time or effort. Second Chronicles 15 and 7 says, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Galatians 6 and 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Living Bible, let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. There's really two very important words in verse number 9 that we sometimes forget about, and that's what causes us to get weary and discouraged and ready to give up, and that is due season. See, my job is to make sure I maintain a right attitude and right spirit that if right now is not due season, I will reap in due season. Last verse, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not unrighteous. The bottom line is that when you come in as the servant, having done all that you've done all day, and He expects you to do more, even though you don't have, you, even though you have not earned some great rewards and recognition, and accolades for simply doing what it is you were supposed to do, God will not be outdone by you. Of course, He's already outdone us. (laughs) But when you continue to give and serve, He will not let that go without giving back. He is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. The challenge again for you and I is, can I be content that if I don't get or I can't recognize my rewards right here and now, can I maintain a right attitude and a right spirit so that I can get to heaven and get my ultimate reward? Brother Wright, you're really challenging us with this. Again, here we are. Thursday night, we're the faithful, we're the committed. We carry the majority of the load of ministry at Antioch. And are you really, are you really challenging us with this? Yeah, because at 45 years old, having been in this all my life, having had the chance to be around a lot of great men and women of God, I've unfortunately watched a number of them that spent a lifetime serving, spent a lifetime giving to the kingdom of God, but they didn't get what they thought they deserved. 
And they end up at the end of a life after a life given to ministry. Bitter, angry, and sometimes lost because they don't ultimately get over bitterness. Missionaries who gave up all of that. Again, I challenge myself with what Dr. Livingston said, but humor me for a moment in my flesh. (laughs) To have given up all that, made all those sacrifices. To have spent a lifetime of dedication and commitment to the kingdom of God only to get to the end and miss out because you just felt like you never got the thankfulness and the gratefulness from God and others that you deserve. I don't think Jesus was trying to be harsh and I not trying to be harsh here tonight. I hope you can ultimately feel my spirit tonight and my motive of this. I think really part of what he was doing was trying to get them a, uh, a, uh, a shot. A, uh, what, do you, what is it? Uh, not an antidote. Vaccination, thank you. He was trying to give them a vaccination. Because if you can, he wasn't trying to be harsh and unkind by setting this bar. And he wasn't, there's no way he was trying to communicate to those disciples. You know what, guys? Just suck it up and do what you're supposed to do. And if you think I'm going to give you a pat on the back for it, forget it. I don't think that's, that's not what he was doing. That's not who he is. But I think he was trying to give them a vaccination because... It's just not going to go the way you hope all the time. And it's just not going to turn out the way you envision a lot of times. And and if somehow, if somehow through all of it, you can remind yourself that, you know what, I'm I'm just a servant. And everything I've done at the end of the day, when I've done all I can do and I've given everything I've given, I'm, I'm just an unprofitable servant. If I can maintain that kind of an attitude and that kind of a spirit, it's really hard. It's really hard for bitterness and resentment to get a hold of me if my attitude can be, you know what, I've just done what I was supposed to do. I pray it often. My prayers, my prayer for me as a preacher, as a pastor, God, please. Don't let me develop bitternesses and offenses. Don't let stuff accumulate in my spirit that's going to ultimately cost me my soul. And the way I can overcome that is to remember, remind myself, I'm just a servant. When I've done everything I do, when I've given all I've given, all I've done was what was expected of me, and in light of what he did for me, I haven't even come anywhere close to giving back to him what he's given to me.
bow your heads if you would for a moment. God, I pray that you would help us tonight. God, in a feel-good world of Christianity that's all about pleasing us and appealing to our wishes and desires, I acknowledge that the content of this evening is doesn't fit that at all. But God, I believe that I stand tonight amongst a group of people that are interested in more than just the consumer mentality when it comes to our walk with you and our relationship with you. And God, in our humanity, in our weaknesses, we are prone to the struggles of giving and serving and then the enemy coming and trying to plant seeds of bitterness because you and others have not recognized and given back for what we've done. God, I'm asking you to help us tonight. I ask you, God, for the sake of every individual in this place tonight, for the sake of our souls, Lord, because above all else, we've got to be saved. I pray, God, that you would Again, renew in us a genuine heart of a servant. Not, not for others to purposefully take advantage of us or mistreat us, but God, so that in everything we do, we can remember that it's all to you and it's really the least we could do. In exchange for all that you've done for us, God, in exchange for all that you've given us, God, I know that every one of us in this place tonight, in our, in our minds, we understand that what you've already done, giving your life, providing salvation, really is, we couldn't ask for anything more. But in our humanity, God, sometimes we struggle expecting and wanting more. Help us tonight. Help us to be able to live with a genuine awareness that you've already done so much. God, if you never give me another tangible blessing in this life, if there's nothing else that happens in the rest of my life that I could point to and consider that that is a blessing from you in exchange for what I've done, you've already done so much more than I could ever ask for. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help me. God, as a simple way of showing my thanks and my gratitude to you for what you've done, that I could live every day with a genuine servant's heart and that that would be a part of my act of worship and thanksgiving and gratefulness to you for what you've done for me. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Look forward to seeing you hopefully on Sunday. In Jesus' name.